Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Thanks so much for joining us on Your Financial Mission today. Walter Storholt alongside Janine Theus. She is the CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors, your financial commander here on the program each and every week, serving you in Columbia, Howard County, and the surrounding areas. You can find Janine online at TheusWealthAdvisors.com. That's TheusWealthAdvisors.com. And Janine, I hope your 2018 has been off to a good start. This is our our first actual recording of the new year, and uh, I'm excited to chat with you. Well, thank you. It's, uh, this is very exciting. Yeah. New year and new adventures. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, with the new year always comes sort of things happening in the news. We see a lot of financial news typically occur right around the start of a new year just because changes are being made and that has ripple effects throughout the financial landscape and one change that we've seen actually came at the end of 2017 but we're still going to feel the effects of it here at the start of 2018 is the fact that interest rates are starting to creep up even more the fed made that decision in december to increase interest rates just a little bit more so let's that's kind of a really like heady sort of broad thing right janine i mean the interest rate has gone up a quarter of a point i mean the average person's kind of like okay how does that really impact me so help us answer that question what does this actually mean for you know your clients for investors in general well interest rates are a perennial subject in the financial media and for good reason, because the cost of borrowing money touches nearly every corner of our $18 trillion economy. So each time the Federal Reserve Board meets, there's a buzz of anticipation, you know, breaking news on what they decide to do or uh, you know, if they're even thinking to do anything, and then hours of speculation on what they might do next. That's what sells, so they do that a lot. People borrowing money to buy cars, houses, and education want rates to be low, but the people lending the money want the rates to be high. Same goes for the business world. Corporations want the lowest cost of finance improvements and expansion, while their bondholders would like to receive returns above inflation. So it's kind of a conundrum. So knowing that there are so-called winners and losers each time the prime rate moves a quarter point, you know, we're always asking, are interest rates good or bad? So if you ask the Federal Reserve, rising rates are a sign that the economy is healthy. So for almost a decade after the financial crisis, the Fed kept its benchmark rate low, you know, a historic low, actually, hoping that easier borrowing would help businesses get back on their feet. But as employment numbers improve, the Fed begins to ease rates back up toward a more historic average level, raising them three times last year, which is interesting because they didn't really raise them for eight years. But if, you know, low rates are good for the economy, why raise them at all? So the answer is kind of a twofold answer. Artificially low rates can cause the economy to overheat. Now, that's an economics wizard's term, but it can lead to a sudden spike in inflation. Secondly, investors who are unable to earn a return by loaning money 
tend to move their capital into much riskier ventures. So as we saw in the subprime crisis, a high rate of failure can put an enormous strain on the financial system. So the Fed carefully monitors these economic indicators to determine when it's time to take their foot off the gas. But if you're a long-term investor, having the bonds in your portfolio are really important for stability purposes and may not lend fuel, if you will, to you know, high, you're not going to expect a higher interest rates. So it doesn't sound like, you know, interest rates going up or down, it's not an inherently good or bad equation or situation. It's all about perspective. But I'm also hearing you say that interest rates, yes, they impact bonds most directly, but it's going to ripple through lots of different other portions of kind of our finances and how it's going to impact us longer term. Absolutely. So if you just think about it, it's a common sense thing in terms of real estate. If you have a 4% loan, you can afford a more expensive house. But we all remember, or at least some of us remember, when the interest rates back in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, were 11%, 13% for a a mortgage. Yeah, I think my parents had a 13% mortgage. Yeah, and that you can't afford as large a house. So that does affect real estate values. If they jump that rate so high, I don't think they will do that. You know, a quarter point is nothing. You don't feel that as as much. And I think they will keep rates fairly low. But 4%, 3%, 5% is not the same as 8, 9, 10, 11. So, but, you know, companies that are heavily leveraged will see the cost of servicing their debt go up. So they'll be less profitable. And if they're publicly traded, this could put a downward pressure on stock price. So it's a double-edged sword. We all want better values on our bonds. But if you do that, then potentially it's less profitable, you know, on the stock price. So, and here's the other thing that a lot of people get trapped in. If you have a long-term bond, and let's say it's a 3% bond, and then the companies issue a 4% bond, well, you're going to want to sell that 3% bond and get a 4% bond. So you're going to probably sell the 3% bond at a discount. So anytime the interest rate rises, the value of the previous bonds drop. So there's a, you know, a bit of a disconnect. And if you, if for the folks that are all in bonds, because they've gotten very conservative, you can really get hurt, especially if it's a longer bond, like a 10 year, 20 year, 30 year bond, that price swing is pretty large for every point that it rises. That swing is an 8% drop in price. So it's a pretty significant hit. Significant, um, so, no, da- no doubt about it, Janine. I mean, that's uh, that's important to consider now. I mean, if somebody holds the bond to maturity, then they still realize its full potential. They don't have to sell it at a discount at that point. But you've missed all this. There's opportunity that's lost during that period of time when you could have been making a higher return on those dollars instead of just been sitting in this lower rate bond. Is that a good way to read that too? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And and I think a lot of people do move to bonds. A lot of advisors move people to bonds because if you say to somebody, I'm worried about the market or I'm afraid of the market, they're going to, for various reasons, put you in a more conservative portfolio than you might actually need long term. And that could hurt you. And it's because you know, they, neither of you understand the economics of being in the market long term, but you can't expect a a much higher rate of return or a portfolio to perform if all you're going to have is bonds. Hmm. And because the bonds, everybody thinks bonds are really safe and they are to a degree, but it's a different kind of risk. And so you can effectively go broke safely if you're all in bonds or cash equivalents. 
So you have to weigh that and balance that with the risk of equities. And it's the type of bond that you own that's really important. So that even if the Fed raises rates, you're not affected significantly. Well, so, well, use your crystal ball here then, Janine, and you know, look into the future for us. This might be a little bit easier to predict or to estimate than what the stock market is going to do, but might still also be difficult to tell exactly how this will play out. But do you think we should expect more consistent raises in the interest rates over this year and, and, and you know, over the next couple of years? I think they'll probably raise it a couple more times this year because there's capacity. It's really, you can't predict what a lot of the Fed is going to do. You can't predict what the market's going to do. And I don't think the market's going to react adversely to an increase. I think it's almost expected because we've been at low interest rates. We've been in actually a declining interest rate environment since the 80s. So, and then we've held steady. So I would expect them to raise a couple more quarters and it's, I, I don't think it's going to adversely affect the market per se, because there's a huge amount of impact of money being repatriated from some of the companies like Apple and Microsoft and all these things, bringing money back into the economy. And so you're going to grow the economy by the things that they're doing. And, you know, we'll see what, how interest rates affect that. But I don't think it's going to have a negative impact. Uh, a lot of people are afraid because we just had the fastest 1000 point gain in history, you know, which followed the fastest 1000 point gain in history. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, people are a little worried. Oh my gosh, when are we going to get a correction? Well, there's not really a correction. It's news that moves the market. So what's the news that's going to cause a market to dip a little bit? Hard to say because the, the next right election, now, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's a little ways away. So, you know, people are kind of betting on, and I, I would really encourage people not to listen to half the news that's out there just because it's ridiculous. And the fear mongering is, is going to cause you to do things that would hurt your portfolio or hurt yourself. But, you know, I don't think the Fed's raising rates is going to impact the market significantly. And, and I think there's still room to run for the market. I'm pretty sure it was, what, 2013 when there were several uh, big name pundits that came out and said, this is the year the stock market is going to crash. And that was five years ago. And I think people have been saying it every single year since then. But it's funny to look back and be like, all right, so in 2013, they were so certain. They got so many people worried and scared over what was going to happen. They were obviously wrong because now we hear here we are five years later. Nobody knows what's going to happen. So, you know, they've been predicting this stock market crash is, you know, imminent for the last five years. That's a long time for something to be imminent. If you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the operative word is imminent. Right. Um, and you're absolutely right. 2013 was a phenomenal year across the board. I don't think there was one asset class that was down or negative. It was a phenomenal year. All the asset classes were up. 2014, not as positive, uh, although the S&P 5 did really well. 2015 was a flat year, which is, you would expect that, kind of flat regroup. 2016 was very positive. 2017 was huge. So I'm just looking at if we've had, I think what we're going to see is if there is significant GDP growth, which I think we're going to get, that there is a lot of room for the market to run. And you will see asset classes move differently. And everybody is focused on the S&P 5 and the Dow. But international, at least in the early, and I haven't checked the numbers for the end of the year, but 
in the middle of the year last year, international and emerging markets were outpacing U.S. So that's pretty significant. And you just don't know if that's when or if that's going to happen ahead of time. So it's really important to be properly diversified, globally diversified. Well, and don't get caught up in the um, machinations of the the media. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. Well, to kind of put a bow on the conversation then, Janine, as we watch the news throughout 2018 and we see interest rates, you know, maybe uh, more announcements down the pike of, uh, you know, ticks upward, quarter of a point here, quarter of a point there, upward on the on the docket. What's the average investor, uh, what should be on their mind or what should you be thinking about as you see interest rates pop up in news reports? What should be kind of the, the central thing to remember is for your clients? or for somebody who's uh, uh, maybe thinking about, you know, their investing in retirement life? Well, I think the closer you are to retirement before you retire, if you're thinking about refinancing or doing something with a mortgage or even a car, um, you want to do that while you have income so that you can show the income because that's a big uh, emphasis for them. And, you know, just make sure that you are in a position of flexibility when you flip the switch to go into retirement. Um, because if interest rates are low now, I'd want to lock in a long, a 30 year mortgage at a low rate because you can always like, I don't, I don't like 15 year mortgages because yeah, it's a low rate, but you're, you're forced to, if you will pay that money back faster, which everybody thinks is a savings vehicle. And that's not, but if I have a 30 long-term low interest rate, 30 year mortgage, I can turn it into a 15 year if I want but I'm, I'm, my, my cash flow obligation is much, much lower. Same with cars. If I'm going to buy a car, I, and I remember the first car that I bought that was a brand new car was 11%. And now what is it, 1.9? I'll take the <laughs> 1.9 all day. Sure. <laughs> so as you're getting closer to retirement, where I, these I'll decisions... pay cash for the car at 11.9%. I might take the <laughs> yeah. loan at 1.9. Exactly, exactly right. So, you know, to the, to the degree that you can position cash or position obligations in a favorable manner because the interest rates are still low, I would take advantage of that. That's also why I just drive a car that's 15 years old, too, because then it's, <laughs> you don't have to have a loan on that thing. You just buy it and go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> or wait for your dad to get tired of his car and then buy it from him. That's another way to go about it, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Well, very helpful. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. Interest rates creeping up a little bit at the end of 2017, a little bit of the outlook for you in 2018, some of the things to keep your eye on for sure. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens this year, not only to interest rates, but those other ripples that Janine talked about, the stock market and all the other financial news that's out there. As always, we'll cover it right here on Your Financial Mission. On the next episode, we're going to answer some of your questions as we dig into the mailbag. So be sure to tune back in for that one in just a little bit while from now. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. For Janine, I'm Walter, and we'll talk to you next time on Your Financial Mission. Your Financial Mission.